Before I get to my next guest, Kelly Stenzel, I want to give a shout-out to a couple of our sponsors, starting with our friends over at the Ben Hogan Golf Company. When Ben Hogan founded his company in 1953, his mission was to make the finest golf equipment in the world, and that remains their mission today. They forge every club they make to provide the feel and feedback investment clubs simply can't provide. And their craftsmen micromanufacture each club to your exacting specifications in their Fort Worth, Texas factory. You'll only find Ben Hogan Golf Equipment online at BenHoganGolf.com. Visit them there today to learn about their great products and their great prices. also want to give a shout-out to our friends over at Golf Pride. In golf, light grip pressure releases power. Golf Pride engineered a secret the pros know. A larger lower hand encourages lighter pressure. Plus 4 technology is designed with four additional layers, which reduces tension in the lower hand to generate more power. Play Plus 4 and release the secret the pros know. Now available on Tour Velvet, the winningest grip on Tour. Grip confidence, grip golf pride. And folks, this segment of the show is sponsored by our friends at the PGA Tour Superstore. This segment of the show is brought to you by the PGA Tour Superstore. See why golfers everywhere are proud to call PGA Tour Superstore their golf pro shop. Visit them online at PGATourSuperstore.com. Now back to Chris and more of the show. All right, now back with me is Kelly Stenzel. Let me remind you about Kelly's background. She's from Geneva, New York, which is an upstate between Buffalo and Syracuse. She played her college golf at Furman, where she led her to all four years. During her senior season, she led Furman to a second-place finish in the NCAA Finals. After college, she played professionally for five years on the Futures Tour, the European Tour, the Asian Tour, the South African Tour, and the Australian Tour. She is now one of the top instructors in the game. Golf Magazine has named her one of their top 100 instructors. Golf Digest and Golf for Women magazines have named her one of the top 50 best women teachers in the game. She is a PGA American Master Professional. She's written several books, including The Women's Guide to Golf, The Women's Guide to Consistent Golf, and The Women's Guide to Lower Scores. Golf Magazine has also named her one of the most beautiful women in golf. She's teaching now down at Boca Raton Resort and Club in Palm Beach, Florida, and I'm very delighted to have her back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Hey, Kelly, thanks for coming back on the show. Hey, Chris. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to chat with you a bit. So, Kelly, it's it's been a minute since we got to catch up with you, and I know this has been a crazy year. What's been going on with you so far in 2020? Well, you know, Chris, I try to make the best of every situation that I've I've been in, and I think this year has kind of been an example of it. Obviously, everybody's had to make a lot of changes and sacrifices, but there's always, my glass is always half full. So while we had a change in our school life with our son, having a school kind of end in March and come home and do online school. And we hunkered down here in Florida for quite a while. We laid pretty low. And then when things started to get a little bit better, I have to tell you, I was so lucky to be able to go out West and teach a bit this past summer. So I spent July teaching in Jackson Hole at Shooting Star Golf Club which if you've never been to Jackson Hole, it is a special place. And this golf course and the members and the staff were really just kind of off the charts. It's just a very, very special place and just super people. And then, Chris, what happened was once we got out there and realized there was no huge reason to come back to Florida in August and New York was a bit off the table for us, my son and I just stayed out west for 
the month of August and traveled through Montana and went to some of the national parks and visited some friends and clients and really tried to make, make the best of it. And, and what's nice now is while I see everybody being kind of safe and careful and respectful and mindful, you know, we're lucky in golf that we can be outside and, and it does feel safe because it is easy to social distance with golf instruction. So while I know there's been a lot of people who have struggled and had some difficult time, you know, I've tried to share with my son and my family that you really got to make the best of it and always look, you know, at the positive side of it. And, and family time has been, you know, one of our advantages of this. I've spent an awful lot of time with my son and we've, we've, gotten along extremely well considering how much time we have been together. So, okay, now that raises a question for me because I've always wanted to go to Jackson Hole. I've always wanted to go up through Montana and that area because everything I've ever seen about it is beautiful. So take me through, what did you get to see while you were kind of up in that area? We went last summer. The head pro at Shooting Star, he and I worked together at Sabonic for one summer. So last summer, what happened was he called me and said, hey, listen, do you want to come out and do a ladies' school? And I about jumped through the phone and said yes. And I almost said, like, you don't have to pay me uh, because I was so excited <laughs> to go. Because because it is. It's just like this really special place. But just the town of Jackson, it's right next to Grand Teton Park, which just the mountains are so spectacular. and and uh, shooting star in particular, it's right next to Jackson Hole Mountain. So while I'm giving golf lessons, there's hot air balloons literally floating over the range. And then the paraglide, you know, adventurous crazy people, they're literally jumping <laughs> off the mountain, flipping around, screaming like, woohoo, while we're giving golf <laughs> lessons. And it's, it's just like incredibly beautiful and distracting and a very kind of outdoor atmosphere. But the town of Jackson is just cute and fun, and everybody seems very happy. But the nice thing is you're so close to Grand Teton, and then only like an hour and a half from Yellowstone. So it's just so special. I mean, Yellowstone, if you've never been there, just have to go. I mean, it's I've been fortunate as a kind of a world traveler playing every a foreign tour known to women and never really seen anything quite like this. And we also uh, went all the way up to Glacier, which is a long way from Yellowstone. It doesn't look that far on the map, but just like the vistas and the views and seeing, we saw, my son and I saw snow in July last summer. So it's just wow. so different. Yeah, when you're coming from Florida where it's, you know, it's like 90 to 100 every day and you get to see it's snowing in July, it's pretty cool. But it's, it's just, besides it's beautiful and there's so much to do, just the vibe. The people are really happy. They're very outdoors. Um, it's just a wonderful environment to be around. And the golf is phenomenal. So talk to me about the golf. Is, in, when you're giving lessons, is it different in that part of the country than it is down in South Florida? I imagine, you know, I mean, I'm in Georgia, right? So I mean, it's not all that different from, from what's in Florida. I mean, we get hot, humid summers. And when I th when I'm thinking about the other part of the country up in that Jackson area, Montana, all of that. I'm I'm thinking cooler, lighter air. It's probably a little bit different. Is the game different? Or am I just imagining that? You know, I think the game's different simply because the ball goes farther, and it does because of the thin air. It's just fun to see. I mean, I'll I'll take all the distance that I can get these days. So my 11 year old is starting to outdrive me now, 
which is wow. a good and a bad, yeah, and a bad thing. <laughs> you know, I'm like, I'm happy for, I'm happy for him, but I've got my speed sticks out. You know, I'm trying to, I'm working really hard to try to maintain a game, but just the views are so spectacular. And those are always my favorite golf courses where the scenery is beautiful. I mean, we played just some amazing golf courses out there. We went and played Stock Farm, which is in Missoula, Montana. We really went out of our way to play it. And it was just stunningly beautiful, and they were wonderful hosts. And uh, Snake River Golf Club is another beautiful course in the area. It was a little tougher this summer, obviously, because most of the private clubs were only having member play. But this is just so scenic. It's so enjoyable just besides fun playing golf. It's just fun to look around and see the animals and like the bald eagle flying around the golf course and the deer on it's just it's very special. I love Florida. Florida's home. But there's something very special about out west and anybody can reach out. I'm happy to, you know, give them some advice to where to go and places to go and things to do. It's very special. Hi right, Kelly, I want to switch gears a little bit because now now that you're talking about your 11-year-old starting to outdrive you and and I know I've got a a 20-year-old son who is is well outdriving me now. So I need some help with distance and and I saw that you put an article out not that long ago for Golf Magazine. So I kind of want to go through some of the tips that you have for the rest of us for how we can gain a little bit extra yardage and I want to talk about starting with getting center face contact. I think that's something we all struggle with. Sometimes we're hitting it on the toe. Sometimes we get it on the heel, sometimes a little high, sometimes a little low. How can we do a better job of getting consistent center face contact? Well, Chris, I think that almost always goes back to having a good setup. I like to say that if you have a good setup and you're in good posture, the golf ball will try to get in the way. And I think for a newer, newer golfer, they look at somebody who's swinging really fast and it's amazing that they can hit it and hit it every time and hit it well. But I, you know, you look at like Justin Thomas and you look at his posture and it's perfect. He's bent from his hips. His hands are hanging right below his shoulders where his arms literally, if they were totally relaxed, would just return there through there every single time. So. To me, it's about, you know, getting in a really great posture each and every time. And I think a lot of times what golfers don't understand is it's the same posture for every club. It's the same posture from your sand wedge to your driver. You're just changing your distance from the ball as the club gets longer or shorter. So good good posture and a really consistent setup routine. And Kelly, take us through some of the other things as you watch you know, the hackers like me, they come and we're coming to get lessons, you know, from you. Where are some other places that we are losing distance that we just don't even realize we're doing it? Yeah, I know. I, I hear you. And it's, you know, it's fun to look at a golfer and, and I love new golf swings and trying to fix what is the most important fundamental that's being violated and then what happens a lot of times is other things will just get better. So, you know, obviously, as you were speaking about slicing the ball, you know, that's always coming from an open club face. So the most easy way to fix an open club face is to improve a grip. And what happens a lot of times with an open club face is the path will change and it just makes the, you know, it just makes the things all go haywire 
from the most most basic fundamentals. So I'm a slave to the club face. If the club face isn't pretty good in a golf swing, if it's not relatively square as a result of the grip, then you'll see a lot of other compensating errors trying to make two wrongs make a right. So club face and grip. And I and Chris, I think one of the challenges with grip, and especially if we're talking about the lead hand, is a lot of golfers just think they just, just put their thumb straight down the middle of the grip. And honestly, I'm not sure I've ever seen a proper grip for anybody. And I believe that everybody's grip should be different based upon how they're built. But I'm not sure I've ever seen a proper grip where the lead hand, the thumb was straight down. It's almost always off center to a certain degree. And then, you know, the manufacturers, they're putting those markings on there to know when the grip is straight. And I think a lot of times golfers think those lines are for their thumb to go straight down. So it's, you know, another example of where golf isn't always the most intuitive game. So Kelly, let's take that grip idea you know, one step further. Is the grip always the same regardless of shot? Or is there a time, whether it's, you know, based on the, the shape that you need to try to hit the ball or the distance if you're chipping, is it different at a different time? And if so, what is that time? Wow, that's a <laughs> that's a really good question. How long are we speaking? No, I'm just kidding. Um, it <laughs> really depends on the golfer, and it depends on how simple or complicated you want to make it. I remember reading an article that Tiger had written that he had like I don't know, it's like seven or eight different grips for his short game, which which Tiger can probably do. You know, he probably does it by instinct because he's does, done it his whole life. So I would say for a beginner golfer, you know, other than putting, they probably just want to go with one grip and kind of keep it simple and, and keep it pretty big picture. But you can change your grip to obviously change the club face, which would definitely change the curve or not of the golf ball. So I'll give you an example. So golfers, newer golfers oftentimes don't think they can curve the ball on demand. And I like to show them that they can simply so they could fix the problem that they were playing. So if, let's say I've got a right-handed golfer. If they took both of their thumbs and put them very far right on the grip, like turn both of those hands, thumbs way right, the ball will tend to curve left. And vice versa, if it was a right-handed golfer and they took their thumbs and they put them way on the left side of the grip, what would happen is the face would tend to open and open face would always produce, not always, but more times than not because it's the predominant factor, a slice. So if a golfer understands how rotating their hands changes the face and therefore the curvature, that's very empowering because if you understand that, let's say you were slicing the ball and you knew that thumbs right made the ball go left, well, you could just start to add a little bit of that in and fix 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 yourself. So understanding cause and effect, applying that to short game, you know, if you wanted to hit a little higher and softer, you know, you could turn your thumbs toward the target. If you wanted to go a little lower and running, you could turn your thumbs away from the target. But, you know, Pick your poison. How complicated do you want to be? And what is the real gain to it? I think the more experienced golfer can be a little fancier and those just looking to have fun and be reliable might just kind of keep it simple. Kelly, one of the other things that I see you know, within my own group of guys when we're playing um, is ball position being the exact same on every every club whether it's a driver all the way down to a pitching wedge. 
Talk about where the ball position needs to be as we start to kind of go down and in, in our in our bag, whether it's starting with driver and then ending with our uh, pitch and wedge. Because I might be a little bit different on this, you know, because as I read, you know, I do a lot of work with Golf Magazine and Golf.com, and I, I'm always, you know, reading the articles and seeing what other instructors are are writing and and saying. Uh, my opinion is a little bit different than most, and there's a reason for it. So I like to see an Everybody's different, but I like to see for the ball on the ground because the fairways are cut so tightly at a lot of these golf courses. I like to see the club position relatively centered for pretty much every club because these fairways are so tight these days. I'm seeing golfers, even tour players, make divots after their five woods. So where when I learned you played the ball forward because you'd sweep the ball off a longer grass, I'm like I'm liking to see the ball relative, excuse me, the club relatively centered when the ball's on the ground, so the ball would be minimally forward of center. And then driver is like a different animal; it plays to a different set of uh, rules, in my opinion. You know, the ball's very forward, kind of that forward instep, so the shoulders can tilt back away from the target, helping the golf golfer hit a little more up on it. And the reason why I don't like to see the ball move forward very much with longer clubs simply for the reason that I just see so many normal everyday golfers, which is mostly my students, they'll start to hit the ground before the ball because they don't have a lot of that lateral lateral motion moving forward that a tour player might have. So, like I said, I might be a little bit different and kind of keeping club relatively centered ball on the ground, but driver very, very forward. And everybody's different. You know, if if you were playing the ball too far back and you started to miss it to the right for a right-handed golfer, then you could start to move it a little bit forward, but just make sure when you take your practice swing and it hits the ground, you better put the golf ball in that position where that club's hitting the ground. And I don't see it changing that much for for hybrids and for fairway woods, for that matter. Kelly, just a couple more before I let you go, and I want to get a short game tip from you. So when we're close, maybe just a little bit off the green, five yards, ten yards off the green, we need to chip it close. One of the things that a lot of us struggle with is distance control. How can we do a better job of that? Well, these are such good questions, and there's so many ways to do it. I wish we had a little more time. But when I'm looking to hit a shorter shot, I always like to use my setup to help me to really get ahead of the game. So if you grip really low on the handle, it's physics. It's going to make your lever shorter. And if you put your feet really close together, it's going to limit, limit your flexibility and help you to take it back shorter. So gripping down, stance narrow. And then just almost feeling like it's a putting motion where there's a lot, of, not a lot of hinge or release can help the motion to stay smaller. And I might on that note also mention that, you know, for any of your listeners, I've got, it's free. If you've got Amazon Prime, I've got two full length videos, one of which is short game that they can go on. And if they're Amazon Prime members, they can get the, all that information for free. And it's been fun to share that with people. So using the setup to help control the distance and maybe a little more lofty club, but, you know, using your stand wedge instead of maybe a pitching wedge to help limit your flight to roll. So, yeah, that was my other question. Are are you a subscriber to it's the same club all the time if it's a, a flat lie and we're not having to, you know, hit up over a bunker or something along those lines where we got to get a little more law. But if we're just, you know, to a straight back left pin, you know, we're five or 10 yards short of the green. Is, is it the same club all the time or, or are you looking at a different law based on distance or that sort of thing? Yeah, you know, I'm a bit of a chicken here and I'm a, 
I'm, I'm trying to just keep my score down as low as it possibly can be for that of myself and my students. So the easiest way to control distance is just to change the club. You know, if I, and I like to calibrate. So let's say you learn one basic chipping motion, then take every single one of your clubs, take your lob wedge, take your sandwich, take your gap wedge, take your pitching wedge, take your nine iron, eight iron, whatever, and take that same stroke and see how far the ball wants to go. Don't try to make it go anywhere. See how far it wants to go. And if you can learn one basic chipping motion and just change the club and have a whole gamut of distances. And the beauty of that is, let's say I'm chipping with my eight iron from 30 yards. It's never going to be a big stroke. And if it's not a big stroke, it's never going to be a big error. Versus if you take your sand wedge and try to take an above hip swing, and if you don't quite hit the ground, it's gone. So obviously everybody is going to have different methods, but I'm trying to minimize risk for myself and for my students. That's a fantastic tip. I'm going to try that one. Kelly, before I let you go, let our listeners know, how can they stay up to date with all the great things you're doing and uh, follow you, whether it's on your website or it's on social media? Yeah, the easiest way to reach me is through my website, Kelly with an IE, kellystenslagolf.com. I also am on Facebook at Kelly Golf, Twitter, Instagram. So anything I can do to help them with their golf game. Also, if they wanted to take an online lesson with me, they can reach me through the Skillist platform. But the easiest way is to reach me through my website. And I'm always happy to help any golfer, you know, if you're struggling or you need advice, you know, if there's anything that I can do, I'm always happy to help. Well, Kelly, I can't thank you enough for coming back on the show tonight. It's always a good time when you're a part of the show. I hope you'll come back and do it again soon. Yeah, Chris, you do an amazing job and your listeners are super lucky to have you. And it's always my pleasure. So anytime you need me, I'd be happy to come back on and chat more about golf. I appreciate you, Kelly. Stay safe out there. All the best to you and your family. I look forward to catching up again soon. Thank you. Thanks, Chris. Have a wonderful rest of your day. See you, Kelly. Bye. That's the great Kelly Stenzel, folks. And uh, the spelling of her last name is S-T-E-N-Z-E-L, kellystenzelgolf.com. I tell you, folks, when you look out, and uh, as she mentioned, the, the lesson's available on Amazon Prime, but there's so much great content on her website and on YouTube for some of the lessons that uh, we talked about tonight, and, and it's certainly a whole bunch more. She's a, a fantastic instructor, right? You don't get to be a master professional without being one of the very best in the game. But uh, on top of you know her knowledge, just her approach, I mean, you can hear it in her voice, right? The positivity and how much she really wants to help you with your game. You, you put those two things together and you can't lose. So be sure to give uh, give her a follow on social media and be sure to check out her website as well. Looking forward to having her back on the show as soon as we possibly can. 